G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. On the cross, God treated Jesus as if He had lived your life so He could treat you as if you had lived His life. It was an uneven exchange, but so heavily in our favour. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out what happened when Jesus gave His life for our sins. Jesus entered the darkness that I might walk in the light. Jesus was forsaken of God for a time that I might enjoy His presence forever. This is the day when the lost are found. best, people may learn from our example. But what about when we're at our worst, when we're not feeling well or suffered great loss? As Jesus hung from the cross, no doubt his darkest hour, he essentially preached a sermon. And today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie shows us how much we can learn from the words of our Lord. Great inspiration from the suffering Saviour when each and every word came at a painful price. What do you think of when you think of Easter? Well, it depends on who you ask. Uh, for little children, it's, it's an Easter egg hunt. Gonna go find those eggs. And for others, it's pastel colors, Easter outfits. For others, well, at least when I was a kid, it was about getting a little baby bunny or chick. They don't do this anymore. But when I was a kid, you literally would go find them in pet stores, sometimes even other stores. You could buy these little bunnies or little chicks. I mean, they're really adorable until they turn into full-grown chickens and rabbits running around your house. Chickens do not make good pets, but they do make a great lunch, actually. So I heard a story about um, a teacher that was addressing her Sunday school class on Palm Sunday. She said, well, kids, today is Palm Sunday. Who can tell me what Palm Sunday is all about. A little girl shot up her hand. The teacher called on her. She said, ma'am, Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and the people laid palm branches at his feet and said, Hosanna. The teacher was really impressed. Very good, she said. Now, what is next Sunday? It's Easter Sunday. Does anyone know what that is about? And the same little girl puts her hand up. The teacher calls on her again. Okay, honey, what's, what's Easter Sunday? That's the day Jesus rose again from the dead. But before the teacher could congratulate her, the little girl continued on to say, but if he sees a shadow, he has to go back in for seven more weeks. <laughs> you know, I remember when I was a little boy, I went to my mother and I asked her, what is the meaning of Easter? And she said, I don't know. She knew. She just didn't want to tell me. 
uh, because she was raised as a Christian, went to a Baptist church, uh, heard the Word of God many, many times, but uh, my mom was sort of running from the Lord at that stage of her life. Of course, Easter is a celebration of the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. This singular event changed everything. It was literally the day that changed the world. But before there was a resurrection, there was a crucifixion. Jesus was arrested on false charges and sent to Pontius Pilate. Pilate, wanting to appease the bloodthirsty crowd, gave the order for Jesus to be scourged. And I've told you before about the horrific whipping uh, that would happen to Jesus. It's, they probably used the Roman cat of nine tails, which would rip into the skin and the skeletal tissue, even exposing vital organs. In many cases, people did not survive the scourging. And Jesus took 39 lashes on his back. It was described as the halfway crucifixion. Pilate knew Jesus was innocent but he was under political pressure and he wanted to please the religious leader so he called for a basin and he washed his hands. But you can't wash your hands of Jesus Christ. Pilate should have listened to his wife because his wife said, I had a dream about this man. Speaking of Jesus, he's a righteous man. Don't hurt him. And Pilate went through with it anyway. So now Jesus is sent to the cross and as he hangs there, he makes seven profound statements. Every statement is significant. Even the order of the statements is significant. Statement number one from the cross was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Statement number two in response to the words of a thief crucified next to him who said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, Christ said, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Then seeing his mother at the foot of the cross, Jesus said, woman, behold your son. And seeing John standing next to her, he said, son, behold your mother. Presumably all the sin of the world was placed upon Christ at this moment. If it wasn't at this moment, it happened at some point where he bore the sins of the world, causing him to cry out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then his fifth statement was, I thirst. His sixth statement was, it is finished. And finally, statement number seven, to the Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Let's go back to statement number one. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If the first words of Jesus were, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It would make sense. Even if his first words were, I thirst, we would understand, but Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This reminds us that no one is beyond the reach of prayer. He is literally praying for these soldiers who have nailed him to the cross. He's literally praying for his enemies who have orchestrated this series of events. He's saying, Father, they have committed a sin that is so horrible, so beyond comprehension, they have no idea how bad it is. You know, it's not easy to forgive people, is it? We've all been wronged. We've all been hurt. We've all been taken advantage of. And the Bible says forgive. We're thinking, ah, <laughs> easier said than done. I love the statement of C.S. Lewis when he said, People think that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. 
I read about a study that was done on forgiveness that found that 75% of those who are pulled believe that God forgave them of their sins. That's good. But then only 52% said they had forgiven others. See, here's the thing we need to remember. Forgiven people should be forgiving people. So here's Jesus hanging on the cross, offering forgiveness to his enemies. Now initially, uh, these two thieves, and we call them thieves, but in reality they were uh, probably violent criminals and probably were guilty of murder, insurrection against Rome. We, the Romans would have described them as terrorists because they would want to overthrow the Romans. That's why they were hanging on crosses. So initially, we have three men facing death, Jesus and the two others. And the two others join the crowd of mockers at the foot of the cross, crying out, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the son of God. Of course, he could have saved himself, but he chose to save others instead of saving himself by dying in their place. So they're mocking Jesus, and Jesus says, statement number one, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And suddenly, in a moment, one of those criminals believes and turns to Jesus and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is after he rebuked the other criminals saying, we deserve what we've gotten, but this righteous man has done nothing wrong. What caused that man to change so quickly? Hey, maybe it was the gospel track that Pilate fastened to the top of the cross. The statement, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Maybe he read that and that made an impression on him. But I think the real thing that moved that thief's heart was when Jesus offered forgiveness. He had never seen anything like that. It reverberated through his hardened heart and he believed right there on the spot. That brings us to statement number two. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Wow. Talk about getting in under the wire. <laughs> this is what we would call a deathbed conversion. I've seen quite a few of these in my lifetime people that were hard to the gospel, people that wanted to hear, did not want to hear what I had to say or what you had to say, suddenly find out they're critically ill, they're terminally ill, and all of a sudden they want to hear about God. You know, share the gospel with them. Don't wait until later. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the U.S., Today, Pastor Greg is helping us consider the Lord's words as he hung from the cross. Each word is a powerful lesson for us today. Let's continue. Standing at the foot of the cross is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Imagine the anguish she's feeling at this moment. This is her boy, her, her little baby boy that she loved. She taught him to walk and now his feet are nailed to a cross. She held those tiny little hands in her hands and now they have spikes driven through them. He's so beaten and traumatized. Isaiah 53 says, you couldn't even tell he was a man. Her heart is breaking, but she's gonna be strong. She'll not collapse. And she's looking up at him and Jesus says, woman, behold your son. And then seeing John the apostle standing next to Mary, he says, son, behold your mother. In other words, take care of my mother, John. Jesus was the firstborn. It was generally the responsibility of the firstborn son in the Jewish family to care for the mother. But now Jesus would not be able to do that. He gives that responsibility and that privilege over to John. Now comes the moment that Jesus has been dreading. 
suddenly the sky turns dark. From the sixth hour, which is 12 noon, to three o'clock in the afternoon, darkness falls across the land. And some believe this was a universal blackout. Darkness over the entire planet. And the darkness is pierced by the voice of Jesus giving the fourth statement from the cross, which according to Mark chapter 15 is, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, or my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No fiction writer would have the hero make a statement like this. We wonder what he was saying. Jesus was experiencing the greatest loneliness any man has ever experienced. Who was the loneliest man who ever walked the earth? It was Jesus. Especially at this moment as he was bearing the sins of the world. He had been betrayed by Judas. He had been abandoned by his disciples, but the Father was always with him. He always knew the Father was there to call upon. He even said in John 16, the hour is coming and has now come when you'll all be scattered, each to his own. You'll leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. But now, for a moment, even the Father has to turn his face away as he pours all of his wrath and anger on Jesus Christ who is dying in our place as a substitute. It's an incredible moment that took place. It was God's most painful moment. But he must feel forsaken of God because that's the consequence of sin. But listen to this. Jesus was forsaken, so I don't have to be. Jesus was forsaken of God, so I might be forgiven. Jesus entered the darkness that I might walk in the light. Jesus was forsaken of God for a time that I might enjoy his presence forever. So he was doing that for me. One person put it this way. On the cross, God treated Jesus as if he had lived your life so he could treat you as if you had lived his life. Isn't that good? Let me repeat it. On the cross, God treated Jesus as if he had lived your life so he could treat you as if you had lived his life. That's justification, just as if it never had happened. God has done that for you. Now Christ gives his fifth statement from Calvary, the first of a personal nature. He says, I thirst. <laughs> this was not just a casual thirst. This, this man is completely dehydrated. And you know when you're dehydrated, how bad it can be. And, and so he's reaching out and someone offers him something to alleviate his thirst. And he comes to statement Number six, it is finished. By the way, we're told that he cried this out with a loud voice. It is finished. Wasn't like, it is finished. No, it is finished. See, this is a man who was in control. Jesus was not a victim. He was a victor. He knew exactly what was happening and he knew exactly why it was happening. Even though he's been whipped, even though he's been crucified, even though he's facing all this physical pain, he cries out, it is finished. And in the Greek it's one word, tetelestai. Not three words, one. Which means it's completed, it's made an end of, it's accomplished. They would use this word in day-to-day -day living. I've 
Build a table, it's finally done. Tetelestai, I made you a great meal, it's completed. Tetelestai, Jesus said, I bore the sins of the world. Tetelestai, it is finished. A new covenant has been established now. I call this the battle cry of the cross. Jesus is effectively saying, the war is over. I'm sure these words reverberated to the hallways of heaven as a shout of victory, and they also reverberated through the corridors of hell as a shout of, you are now defeated. God is satisfied. And now his final statement, into your hands I commit my spirit. The sin of the world has been atoned for. He has uh, looked out for the welfare of his mother. He has borne the sins of the world. He has done it all. Now he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. No one took his life, he gave his life. He laid it down. You know, it's interesting that three times on the cross, Jesus addressed the Father in prayer. Statement number one, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Statement number two, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And statement number three of prayer, when he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This is something we can learn from. We should call on God in the beginning, in the middle, and the end of our life. You know, when you're young, commit your life to the Lord. Kids, listen to me. You wanna live a happy life. You wanna live a fulfilled life. You wanna live a meaningful life. Commit your life to Jesus Christ and follow Him and you'll never regret it. Right? You'll never regret it. The Bible says, remember the Creator in the days of your youth. The Bible also says, how can a young man, or woman of course, cleanse their way by taking heed according to your word? In other words, you wanna live a life that matters. Obey the word of God. He's put those parameters in there for your own protection, for your own good. I became a Christian when I was 17. That's 10 years ago. <laughs> Plus many more years. It seems like yesterday. And I've never regretted that decision. You won't either. But then you get to the middle part of your life. Sometimes we have what is called a midlife crisis, which is an excuse for acting like an idiot. <laughs> and then you forget God sometimes. Maybe you've reached goals. Maybe you've been successful. Maybe you've exceeded your wildest dreams. Don't forget God in the middle of your life. And then you come to the end of your life. And eternity is right around the corner. Make sure you remember the Lord then. Jesus called on the Father at the beginning, in the middle, and the end. An important encouragement from Pastor Greg Laurie, examining the seven statements from Jesus on the cross and how they apply more than ever to our lives, even here in 2022. And there's more to come from this message. Next time on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg offers some wise insight on the Lord's resurrection and all it accomplishes for us even today. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called The Day That Changed the World. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. 
or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1800 0011 or at visionstore.org.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.